Hello, my friend, and welcome to another episode of How to Sell Advice, the podcast all about helping you package and sell your marketing expertise, not just your hands, so you can build a more leveraged and profitable business. My name is Kevin Whelan, and I've got an interesting guest for you today. I've got Reza Saidi. Reza is a marketing strategist and former director of marketing at On Deck, among many other accomplishments and roles. And in this episode, we talk about his transition from employee to marketing consultant, advisor, CMO, uh, where he was able to get a few quick clients uh, right off the bat, right after leaving his job, and and how he eventually ended up taking on a new and exciting role at a company called Passage, which we'll get into, and how he plans to do advising on the side. So I thought Reza had an interesting story because he was able to find success so quickly after leaving his job, and that is a very difficult thing for a lot of people. Usually I recommend that you do whatever work you can take on as a freelancer or consultant to get at least a base of work going and then build more leverage and profit as you go along. But Reza was able to jump right in and advise right away. So we we talk about things like you know how he got into marketing, how he was able to get those clients as quickly as he did, uh, various ways he's been able to help clients and the kind of challenges and questions they have and a whole swath of other topics that uh, are super relevant if you're trying to get into this strategic marketing advisor role, fractional CMO role. And so we talk all about the business model and some of the various factors that go into it. So without any further ado, I'll get into it and I'll see you on the other end. Reza, thank you so much for joining us today. I'm really excited to talk to you about your career and your path from going from in-house to consulting, advising, interim leadership, and transitioning again back in-house and doing some advising on the side. So you've had you have an interesting background and story, and I thought you'd be a perfect person to bring onto the podcast to, to show people what you've been through and how you've kind of transitioned through in and out of working and advising and consulting. So thank you for joining us today. Uh, how are you so far in this fine Friday Friday morning? Thanksgiving, super excited to be here. It's been a busy but amazing week. So excited to be wrapping it up with you here. Yeah. So you're at Passage now. You're starting, you're working in a new business. We'll, we'll talk about that briefly. So you're doing a kind of a soft launch with them, a funded, uh, government funded program. It's a company, I guess maybe you can talk about it, that helps uh, immigrants in Canada for now connect with jobs. Is that sort of the general concept of it? Yeah. Yeah. So uh, I can share a bit more about Passage. So Passage essentially uh, is empowering people who want to be doing more with their lives. So our philosophy is that there are a lot of people with a lot of latent potential sitting on mm -hmm. the sidelines because of the lack of uh, because of the lack of financial access. So our mission is to provide these individuals around the world with access to life changing opportunities. And to start with, we are matching top international talent with opportunities in Canada and help fund their journey. And the sort of the secret sauce I'd say to passages that is why it's so interesting and so exciting for me um, and excited to be sharing it with the world very soon as well. It's not just about doing um, any educational or career opportunities. It's essentially enabling those destination countries and destination uh, environments, in this case, Canada, that we are launching with to also be thriving in the sense that right. if you're bringing, bringing international talent from these different countries around the world, we're also making sure that they're coming here and attending opportunities and graduating from opportunities or uh, essentially starting careers that are contributing to Canada's economy as well. So it's a win-win uh, for the society and for individuals at large. Yeah, I love that. I love that integration piece around, you know, connecting people with the economy because without that traction, then it becomes very difficult for immigrants to plug into the economy, which is essential. And we're, we're in a time now where people are migrating all over the world it's you know you're just seeing it across the world with uh with that and especially here in canada so that's a great concept and i'm glad to see that that's uh getting up and running 
Um, tell us, how did you get into marketing? How did you sort of, what, what was your origin story, if you will? And how did you end up here today? So fun fact, I actually went to school and started out my career as a chemical engineer, which uh, I've realized a lot of the people in marketing and sales have actually gone through as well. Uh, but soon I realized my love for business, marketing, uh, startups, and generally just building things. Um, and that passion at the time, we were talking 10 plus years ago, uh, combined with a very close friend of mine, this is back when I was studying and sort of graduated from a university in the UK, close friend of mine quitting his very predictable and safe job as a lawyer. So that me realizing that I'm not going to be a fit for being an engineer for the rest of my life and combined with sort of that exposure encouraged me to do the same thing. So I went and started my own business at two-sided hiring marketplace, ended up becoming a hiring marketplace uh, after a bunch of pivots. And ever since then, for the last decade or so, I've been leading uh, marketing and growth uh, as a first-ish, I would say, first, second, third a marketer at now five early stage startups. Wow. <clears throat> yeah, I love that. Uh, first of all, you're the second chemical engineer I've spoken to in a couple of weeks with uh, Dylan Bridger, who did a, a workshop on copywriting and email marketing. Also a trained engineer who realized this isn't what I want to do with my life. And I love that you kind of started a business as a way to get into being a marketer. It's like, you you know, you, you want credentials? Well, go start something, go build something, and then you'll develop skills, you know, coming into it sideways that can lead to a whole bunch of opportunities. So what happened to that in the end? Did it? Did you end up selling it or did it just kind of fizzle out or how did that go? Yeah, we, we went at it for about <clears throat> two and a half years. We had a mini exit, I would say. So we ended up sort of uh, giving the back end of our platform to a local publishing company that ended up sort of using it for their own purposes at the time. They were building something similar. So it was a very amazing learning opportunity, I'd say. It wasn't a huge exit opportunity, but at, at, the, at, at the same time, we were able to translate it into something useful uh, coming out of it. And then I, I, at the time, I had the opportunity to move uh, to a new country, Canada, where I am right now, and I call home. And um, sort of that felt like a natural transition to either looking into starting something here or joining uh, an early stage environment. Right. And so you ended up at on deck, I think, when you kind of joined the Mindshare group and you were, and that was like kind of after a series of marketing jobs that you had, and it sounded Correct. like you, based on your, you know, doing some LinkedIn profiling view, it sounded like you had a role, you got in as a lead or in the marketing department growth and then you sort of developed as the head of growth at some point uh, and then you were like you were embarking on you left the on deck and uh, which is a very well-known uh, I guess cohort training uh, business if I'm not you know miss misspeaking but you left there and then you went into consulting and so what made what compelled you to to, to dabble at this world of independent consulting advising interim leadership and why not just dive right into the next career opportunity? Yeah, that's job? a great question. I think it's super relevant to the Mindshare community as well. So probably like taking a few steps back, I've always throughout my career, even before on deck, I've formally or informally have advised early stage founders. So having started as a founder and gone into working at a bunch of early stage startups, I had this natural passion and love for helping early stage founders because I love to build and I love helping people who are building. So um, marketing growth, revenue being my sort of area of expertise, I wanted to enable founder friends or people I'm being referred to, so helping them out. But it was kind of informal on an hourly basis. It was never something that I really relied on uh, or really invested time in. But during OnDeck, so going back to your question, as I was sort of wrapping up with OnDeck, and OnDeck is, I mean, the way you explained it makes a lot of sense, but OnDeck 
throughout my time, about two, two and a half plus years, went through a lot of transitions as a company and the way we mm -hmm. position ourselves. And now, right now, it's on the, it's actually gone back to its roots of providing founders with support they need to essentially um, start a company from very early days. So yeah. I'm super excited about the direction that the company is taking. With OnDeck, it was a very natural transition towards the end of uh, my time there, where I was essentially being a community of founders. I was, as part of my job, helping run office hours for the founders and mm -hmm. really help them understand their go-to-market, distribution channels, what works, what doesn't work, how do we build an experimentation pipeline, um, all that fun stuff that I really consider fun and really enjoyable because there's no right or wrong answer. And it really comes down to a, doing a lot of things, understanding your uh, ideal audiences and really testing, iterating and realizing what works. But there are areas that you can essentially be very confident that because you are operating in the space for these type of customers based on past experience or based on existing competitive data, you are going to be getting X or Y result. So yep. as part of that, I, I started working very naturally running these office hours for the founders. And I, I found it, it was kind of a reminder for me of how much I enjoy doing and getting exposed to, say, I was running it on Thursdays and Fridays. And there was a like a Calendly form and every one of those founders would come to you with a different type of problem. So within that form, there was a question it's like, what is your BS GTM challenge? And they would fill it out. And as, as different as they were, they all had sort of the same sort of confusion within them. And really you could categorize the questions within like five categories. So th that was interesting to see. What kind of questions? Let me pause you there, though. What kind of questions were they asking? What were those? Just you know, curious, yeah. curiosity. What's that common thread? And and it, it, just pre I'm gonna answer it by prefacing to say that Ondek doesn't really it's very agnostic when it comes to industry or type of businesses. Right. So uh, sector wise, so it was interesting that in a given day you would get you would be talking to a B two B company serving mid market to like a direct to consumer app, um, yeah. and really. Mm -hmm. For, for this stage of companies having raised a seed round or, or just getting ready for a series series A or in some cases just being an idea company, idea yep. stage company, just contemplating and deciding between which of the two ideas should I go with and how do I mm -hmm. how do I validate that? How do I do customer discovery around that? I think it was it was mostly so depending on the type of companies, there was a questions ranging from again, what I just said, how do I go about asking the right questions? Which one should I really go deep uh, down in and um, how do I optimize my landing page and to increase conversion to then how do I increase like really the question of what are the top five channels I should be investing in? Should I do pay? Should I do organic? Uh, what's the right mix of channels? Uh, what does the right mix of channels uh, look like? Um, and occasionally some sort of advice around uh, raising funds as well. And how do I, again, mm -hmm. do positioning, messaging? So a lot yeah. of that, I'd say like product marketing slash um yeah, finding the strategy, right distribution, yeah. messaging strategy. Yeah, is 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 content the right sort of channel for us to focus on? Um, right. How long does it take for it uh, for it for it to yield? Um, yeah. And yeah, I'd say like it really comes down to early stage founders debating between whether or not I should be investing in paid channels, right. um, or should I? How how long should I be going at sort of exhausting the organic channels, my community, my referrals, my word of mouth before I invest in something? <laughs> And how do I make sure that it's going to yield results? And yeah. the, 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 the honest answer is that you wouldn't know in most cases until you actually try. Uh, there are some educated guesses you can make, uh, but yeah. Yeah, interesting that like a lot of that, so strategy and uh, I mean, we're all trying, when you're creating something new that's a bit novel, you're always trying to figure out, is this thing gonna work and do people want this or am I just obsessed with an idea that 
frankly, the, the world isn't even looking for. And, uh, and it's funny that all industries, all businesses more or less have the same categories of problems. And that's why even my methodology that I teach is like, yeah, let's get strategy and messaging completed. Let's figure out some analytics and then let's go run experiments. Let's get a landing page and a website going so you can start to invite people back to it. But there's no point in running ads until you've kind of, you know, spoken to people, done some of that strategy, done some of that research. And it's all the same sort of layers, no matter what the business is. And sometimes you can fast track through them. And sometimes you have to really f spend more time at earlier stages. But I always akin it to kind of like, it's like a doctor is able to see all kinds of people because people all have the same general anatomy. Yeah. Um, but it's like how you, how you interface with that person and what's the right levers to explore. And, to, you know, that's the fun of our job. So that kind of brings us back to our question. So you were actually doing some, you were leading some of these calls and presumably doing a bit of mentoring and, and helping people think through some of these questions along the way. You weren't just marketing on deck. You were very involved, it sounds like, in the delivery of the program. And um, so you've, you obviously have this bent toward startup uh, interest. And that because you're kind of scratching your own itch, you figured marketing is very much related to product, price, place, promotion. And so now you're kind of helping people do that. And you're sort of transitioning into a growth revenue marketing kind of capacity. Um, is So then what, what, what specifically then, let's go back to that question. What made you want to go into consulting, advising, interim? Is it just the next independent version of the same thing you were doing with the job? Yeah. So continuing down that thread, having those conversations made me realize how much I love it, how much I love mentoring, teaching. It's always been a consistent theme in my life, in my career. I was a private chemistry tutor when I was in my second year of university, just teaching somebody who I'm proudly, I can proudly say as a side note, went from having a C grade to an A plus grade. I, that was a grading scheme uh, back in the UK. And then going on to do a uh, to do a PhD in chemistry at the University of British Columbia. So uh, from Wait, the UK. So uh, no, that that, no, that, that student that, that of mine. Student, so like, oh, great. it was just a backstory. So um, even from that that age, I just loved teaching. So that theme um, sort of kept coming back for me uh, while I was doing that. And then as I was wrapping up my time at OnDeck, um, I naturally was having a bunch of conversations that uh, with founders uh, that really sort of provided this environment for me to be taking this these conversations more seriously. And these were the founders who basically needed more help. And around that time, I sort of started learning more about a lot of people were getting into this like fractional consulting advisory. And obviously there are, having learned from you, there are differences between how you like talk about them and what each entails. But I, I kind of started introducing that and sort of wanted to um, scratch that itch a little bit more and understand how far I can go. And tied to that, I, I, I always said to my network, I'm sort of doing this um, I was having really like exciting conversations. So I ended up having around 12 conversations with different founders, different companies at different stages, considering joining them and collaborating with them. Mm -hmm. But while doing that, when I was chatting with friends on my network, I always said, I am also open to considering and looking at my next thing, assuming it fits and che checks the box right. uh, or boxes, I should say. There are a couple of things I, I can chat about it that I sort of consider when I look at my, my next thing, my career, my full-time thing. Yep. But at the time, it just felt like there wasn't any of that. Any of the conversations I was having wasn't really uh, sort of fitting that bill. And yep. at the same time, these conversations I was having with these founders, they were they were the type of companies and kind of people that I wanted to help with. And I thought there was an amazing fit and I could really help these people. So with Who's that, the, I think... The people, the, which people? The ones you ended the up people, helping? Yes, the people I yeah. ended up advising and consulting. Yep. So I'd say I have, like, I wrote all of these down. This was uh, around like... Um, towards the end of last year, I had around like 12 conversations. And I think um, we like, I ended up sort of 
uh, going forward with three of those companies or helping them out one with in a fractional capacity. So being very specific and one and, and two in like a consulting sort of a less hands-on capacity. Right. So, okay. So I guess you were thinking, I'm going to leave this job. I'm going to see what the market, what I can do independently for a little while, right. Rather than just jump into the next thing. It sounds like you have a criteria for what you would look for in a new position and you maybe like finding a job is a full-time job. Um, so you, the, between on deck and, and your new current role, how long was that period of time? Was it like six months? I'd Not say three. it was around like three, four months. Oh, three, four months. And in that time you helped, was it three organizations? Yeah. That's pretty good. I mean, a lot of people don't, a lot of people pick up one kind of client at a time. In the beginning, you have a unique opportunity because you can let people know that you're available for hire, you're leaving this, this thing and, you, you tend to kind of be able to shake the tree of your network and people, you know, apples tend to fall off. And then, and then there's kind of this long tail where you have to actually market yourself and, and grow your business actively through content and education. Um, how were you able to generate 12 conversations so quickly? Was it just because your network is steeped in founders and people you've kind of met over the years or what did you do specifically to get those conversations going? Yeah, that, that's a good question. I think I would credit a lot of that to to my network at OnDeck, just being so connected to founders. And through every, and this is a key part and probably helpful for, for the community as well, through those com every conversation that I was having that wasn't even relevant to just catching up with friends and, and my uh, ex-colleagues or anybody that I was speaking with, I communicated this sort of mission or this goal of mine that I am, this is what I'm focusing on. And if I find this other opportunity that picks X, Y, and Z, then I'm also open to like a full-time opportunity. So, and when it came to the advisory and um, consulting side of things, I was being very specific around like who I can help with and what I can help them with. So I think right. there's a difference between being specific and niching down. So I don't necessarily personally tell people to niche down too early on. Mm. I, I probably advise them to understand what their strengths are and what they want to be doing more of. Because this yeah. is a this is your unique opportunity to actually <clears throat> wake up every day and say like I'm gonna be doing these three things that maybe in my full time job I didn't have the opportunity to do because I had to do everything uh, because I couldn't outsource them. But right now you actually have this unique opportunity if you're starting out to focus on the kind of things that you want to be doing and you feel like you're good at. It's like that the whole concept of ikigai. So in this case, it's like what am I good at? What the, what do the clients need? And what do I enjoy doing? Yeah. So I think relating it back back to that, I think there there. I really understood that and made it really, really specific. And in my communications with people, I made it really clear. So pre-seed to series A type of companies where I've worked out, where I have the experience and I'm going to be helping them with, I can dive in to details, but really like helping them with uh, finding scalable channels to uh, go from uh, A to B, for example. So I can get more specific around this or positioning statements, but I think, I think that was key. But if uh, I guess clients, and this is something I've learned from you and reading your uh, blog posts and emails that you send out is super helpful. If like your buyers can find 10 people who look exactly like you, uh, there's a good chance that you're not going to be working with them because uh, they, the they're going to be, <laughs> what are the odds? Yeah. So I think, again, don't necessarily tell people to niche down, but I think it's important to like be very specific and do do a few things and do them really well. Yeah, it's interesting that you landed on the pre-seed, which usually is a group of people who don't have a lot of money. And usually that means uh, a lot of downward price pressure, um, but they need you the most. And so in those opportunities, did you have to did you have to change your pricing structure and bring it down? Or, or was it just like, look, you're going to go down this venture, you're going to invest the next years of your life um, 
you know, here's the, here's the investment to work with me. It's, it is what it is. Like, how did you navigate fees, commanding fees that you wanted? Yeah, you're right. I think those are more challenging conversations to have. I'd say, yeah, like one of the companies I worked with was a pre-seed company, but I think we managed to sort of land on something that communicated the value upfront. I think that that was important to sort of really as detailed as possible, spell out what you can expect in the next 90 days, three months, and be able to deliver on those and make it also risk-free. Again, one of the things I learned chatting with you is making it clear that if you realize a month in you're not a fit give both sides the opportunity to sort of opt out and yeah. sort of discontinue the relationship so i think all of those de-risk the opportunity and then once you deliver the value and they see how much value you're able to bring to the table uh, that made it easier but i think by and large in most of the conversations i had yeah the, the investment ranges uh, felt a bit more difficult for a pre-seed company to make work, especially like the fractional model as well. But yeah. at the same time, it's a low risk model if they want to see results fast and they don't want to spend five months hiring somebody full-time. And it doesn't make, really make sense to hire someone within that capacity full-time as like the second or third hire at the company. So um, yeah. overall, the ROI felt felt reasonable for that those companies. But I think you're right in general uh, that the later stage of the company, um, probably the easier the investment conversation, but probably the fit conversation would might not make as much sense for later search companies as well, at least in my case. Yeah, it would be interesting because if you kind of dive deeper into why why you like that pre-seed, really what they're trying to do is get traction with an idea. And so you could theoretically apply that to a, a more established business who maybe has a bit of funding or has been in business a while that needs to either make a pivot or start a new product or you know kind of expand in some kind of way where there where there is uncertainty again and if your core skill is is going from that zero to one or one to two and really getting that the rubber meeting the road then you could theoretically apply that same skill set to someone who's a little further along but maybe has gotten to a maybe they're plateauing a bit too early so they're not quite on it but they're close to it or they have good retention but they're not quite able to attract people because their messaging is off <clears throat> so it's you know it, it's kind of interesting rather than picking a niche picking a problem like gaining traction where where there's uncertainty in either bringing a new business or a new product to market uh could be kind of a a, a through line to your work that that you can talk about ad nauseum because anyone who has that knows that okay like i think i'm close here but i think i'm just adjacent to the right messaging or the right positioning for this i think you know i'm close and i think that's and i think your, your content can resonate with people at a different levels of the spectrum but it makes sense in your short window that you started with people you were most closely relating to. And I think if you stuck with it longer or as you go along further, you might find that your core skill is saying like, let's look for signs of life. Let's build around the, the, the kindling that's working here. And let's, you know, follow your processes to talk to customers, talk to people and validate and get landing pages and then prove concept before you go pour a bunch of fuel on the fire with say ads or some other channel. Um, anyway, that's, Thinking out loud yeah, I, lo I love that. Yeah, I'm, I'm taking notes and learning from you here. <clears throat> I think, yeah, I was trying to minimize the number of variables going into this new thing for, for yeah. me. And the, the variable being trying out this thing as, as a full-time thing, incorporating a company and sort of working, like asking you about all the accounting stuff, you know? Yeah. So I think, yeah, I think, and that was like the comfortable, so that was the uncomfortable side for me. And the comfortable side, so trying to find an intersection was, the type of companies I work with. So I was very confident going back to the fit conversation that after 12, 12 conversations, actually I went back to maybe like three or four of them and said, this this actually, I don't think it works. I don't think I can help here. So mm -hmm. I think that was that, that for me, it gave me the confidence that like I can easily help these people. And if again, I'm waking up every day and feel like one, I'm not enjoying this. And two, I'm not really helping out this, this founder. 
because that's my that's my mission to help them because knowing how how many things they're juggling with knowing the founder life i wanted to be super helpful for them and and not really i wasn't in it for just making making personal profit yeah i think that that made it easier as well but I, I agree with you. In probably larger environments, you could you could apply this to a segment of that business as well. And just really any any large business, you could look at it depending on the initiatives and how the business is running. You can look at every new thing as as its own like startup because it's spinning out. And um, yeah, that's, that's an interesting way of, way of looking at things. Yeah. One thing I wanted to touch on that like was was a consistent theme working with these startups. And I don't know like how relevant it is. So, so taking a like tangent here, mm-hmm. it was interesting what they felt those companies needed versus what they actually needed <laughs> so going back yeah. to like your conversations with the with the gp with the doctor i think a lot of the times you just go and say i can i can sleep and they they prescribe something for you and you can sleep better but yeah i, I think a good doctor actually takes a step back and say okay so what are you what are you eating before bed how many hours before bed are you stopping eating are you doing a workout before going to bed all of those things combined can actually get you to a better outcome versus prescribing something right off the bat. And I think yeah. a lot of marketers out there should take that approach of, especially in the advising world, to try to be more helpful and really doing that discovery to a T so that they can essentially prescribe the right thing. And in some cases, a prescription can be, I'm not the right kind of person, I'm going to refer you to so-and-so, or you probably don't need this based on my opinion. And like two of the three companies I ended up working with, they sort of, their problem statement was very different from what I ended up doing for them. Yeah. And it, it, it took that first conversation or in, in, in one of the cases, like two or three conversations to really tell them, this is what we should be doing. And it's so rewarding after a month, you see that they come to you and say, I'm glad we did this. And they're in agreement with what happened. So that was very refreshing to see. And it felt, it felt really good as, and it was really one of the highlights of my, my career, I would say. Yeah, really interesting analogy there. To, you know, someone coming looking for sleeping pills, but and they go to the doctor, and you know, good doctors say, okay, let's let's actually look at what's going on here, and let's think about this, you know, like a professional, and not just write a prescription that will put you to sleep, but won't actually fix the real challenge. Something going back to what you were mentioning before about like you know being helpful to to founders, especially in that early stage where maybe they don't have a ton of money and things are very uncertain. I just want to point out like. That, that desire to make sure you get a result for clients is, is always there and that's what we want to be doing. And if we feel like we're not we're not actually contributing, we, we should consider <clears throat> ending an engagement early and parting ways and letting people or, or referring or whatever. And holding that idea. And if you're the best qualified person to help them navigate uncertainty and you've done it before and you know what signs of, you know what to look for. It's like a, a guide knows what to listen for in the forest of, or the jungles that other ones, you know, other people won't, you know, signs of a jaguar or whatever that other people are invisible to. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's kind of like this balance between I want to be helpful and if it were easy and if it, you could just pay someone to, to get you to a result, uh, everyone would be Apple. It's, it's kind of the thing I say, right? Like everyone would be a trillion dollar business if you could just pay for a financial outcome. So we always have to balance this like, am I the best suited for this job? And if so, knowing that like, you're figure you're feeling your way in the dark, but at least you're the most likely person to be able to help them get there. And that's a very difficult thing to wrestle with when you're getting paid good money to do to basically help, like especially in the uncertain, the, the getting the traction segment. It's a lot easier to add fuel to fire later than it is to get kindling going, get, get you know get an initial flame going. So I can imagine there's a lot of imposter syndrome. So people who are working in early stage, even C day, there's a lot of uh, there's going to be like. It, 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 there's going to be difficulty and 
like mentally, uh, and much of the value is capitalized a year from now once the direction has been set. So when you come in here and diagnose the true cause of the issue and then begin to fix it over three months, like you're only really getting it, like you're getting into those habits, which we're going to talk about later. Uh, you're getting into like, the, you're, you're building the boat, as I say, but three months, you're not going to be getting the boat to Hawaii across the ocean. Like that's going to take longer. And so much of the value is actually gained many months after that period of time. And we sort of have to hold those ideas in our head. Uh, and you kind of know intuitively whether you're actually adding value or whether you're wasting someone's time and you have to listen to that instinct. But at the same time, you have to remember that like you're the best suited person to help them explore the mm -hmm. unknown. And so I don't know how you, if that played into your mind at all, like battling, am I adding value or not? Cause I can imagine at that early stage, it's uncertain and it needs more time to play out. Cause even the best ideas don't get immediate traction. They need mm -hmm. to notice and that takes time and that to buy in and, I don't know if you have any thoughts yeah. on that, if that resonates at all with you, but it's definitely for a lot of people. Yeah, I, th I think it's important to continue to examine that because, again, I, I can talk about my case of working in early stage environments where there's a limited number of people. Everyone is sort of specialized in doing certain things. You can really clearly see who is contributing, who is not. And if you're going in as a consultant or a fractional CMO, uh, it's like one is like you can do self-reflection and realize like how am I helping build this ship? and contribute to it and I mean, and in some cases i felt like in some areas i was plateauing a little bit with some of the businesses and it was it wasn't i could i couldn't go any further and in other cases i was excited and i felt like i could i could do more um i, I think it's important to do that and just like realize where that sweet spot is but then philosophically if you're helping out and then you realize that you're sort of you've hit a wall and you're not really doing much for the business you could be helping out another business that needs a lot of help. So if you're doing it, you're kind of spending your time on the wrong thing as well and really not contributing at the same time. And it's, this is easier said than done because if you're getting paid and doing something, even if it's not at your full capacity and you're not really enjoying it. So all of this is with a caveat that sometimes you just, as as a solopreneur or as a, as a one-person business, you need to make uh, the ends meet as well. Yeah. So this is like obviously looking at the perfect picture, but if you had the, the option and the choice to work with the companies that you're truly passionate about and they can see that, that impact that you're making as well, I think, I think you should do that. Yeah. I think I always, my North star is if, as long as I'm looking out for your best interest, my client and even potential client, like people's best interest at all times, uh, but particularly your clients and being a fiduciary, right. I'm looking out for their interests above my own and being transparent with my own interests and, aligning myself with their interests as best as possible, I think you're going to be in a good place. And if it means that like, look, I can see where this is going and it's going nowhere fast. Usually it takes having been through a couple engagements that hit a brick wall and ended up kind of falling apart to, for you to then recognize that pattern and preempt it next time. Um, but you're right. Like you want to be in part of being a fiduciary, part of being a, an advocate is getting yourself in a financial position through effective marketing for marketing yourself effectively. So you have more opportunities to, to lean on so that you can turn away business and or disconnect relationships where you can see that there's no future and not feel like, oh, I got to make sure I pay my bills. And that's why I say it's your, it's your ethical duty to market yourself. You know, 30 to 50% of your time should be on biz dev and working on your business and growing because if you don't, you don't have enough opportunities to then, you know, be able to turn away business that isn't a good fit. And because you're always feeling like I got to make sure I feed the beast or at least keep my family fed or whatever. So it's an interesting dilemma to be in and, I love that. Um, couple couple yeah. of things to that. So one is, 
I, I didn't really get to that part of like doing a really good job. You look at my personal website right now. It's not really good, doing a good job sort of positioning me as as who I am um, and what I, what kind of things I do. I, I'm going to work on it. Maybe by the time this podcast is published, it's looking, it's looking better. So I, I, like, I would say doing content, making sure you're present in where you should be, where your audiences are, I think is super important and marketing yourself to your audiences. But then also consider word of mouth and referrals as a strong marketing engine and marketing channel as well. So I don't know, like, had I stayed at this on this path a longer, had could when I would have sort of saturated this referral and word of mouth channel, maybe yeah. maybe very soon. But I think that to to going back to the early point of turning down people and really communicating to them that I'm not the right fit for this, I can't help, and this is the person that can who can help you. I think that in it on itself is like a very good indication that you're in it for the long run, and those people yeah. will remember you and actually refer you to the right people. So and yeah, yeah for me it was I think for better or worse, I sooner than I expected, I landed and sort of. Um, was offered to to join join passage so the, the exciting opportunity that i couldn't turn down so uh yeah I, I really didn't get there so i can't really like speak to the the, the longer term effective marketing channels no I, I know that i want to be doing i want to be helping founders for life so this yeah. is like this is my philosophy in whatever capacity either a coffee or like helping them as an advisor and that's why like early stage building excites me uh but yeah really uh Passage really sort of ticked all the boxes for me for that next full time opportunity. So um, I sort of stop stop things there. Yeah, yeah. So it, uh, going back a little bit, you, you said something before about like how teaching was fundamental. So it's something you enjoyed ever since you were you know in school and probably before that, and and intersecting teaching with your entrepreneurial experience and then your experience in marketing. Um, I I think advisors are teachers and vice versa. And I think it's like advising is a form of teaching. It's like a personal guide or a teacher. Um, so it's just an interesting thing that you mentioned there. And I think more mm. advisors and consultants can do can continue to think of themselves as teachers, not just in their marketing, but in how they c contextualize their methodology, how they create some kind of a framework around their best ideas, and then teach it either for money as a program or you know in the course of your consulting, or as a course or a product or small digital products. Um, like we don't have to wait until like we don't have to do some massive course that you know makes millions of dollars. We can, the, you know, the very active consulting forces you to think through your ideas, organize them if you're diligent, and then and then you use that later as a teacher. And that's to me, I think the path that the consultant is going from doing, which might be as a fractional marketing manager, or it might be just as a freelancer or an agency owner, to to advising uh, and then to teaching. And I think it's kind of a a spectrum that if you're if you're in that advisory mindset, uh, it's just interesting you mentioned that earlier. I wanted to come back to it. I don't know if you have mm -hmm. any thoughts on teaching. Do you, do you foresee yourself being doing more teaching in the future or selling digital products, yeah. educating, that kind of thing? Definitely. I think it's something that I want to be actively doing more of and making more time for. It's really like just wanting to do it is not enough. I'm very aware of that. So I definitely want to make time more time for creating content. Uh, I'm actively sort of looking at where I could be sort of doing some um, like teaching opportunities at universities, maybe like a course or two. Uh, but I, 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 yeah, I think through content and just thinking about, again, going back to like the, your, what's your personal mission is helping out more people. If you and I are having this conversation at, at a coffee shop, it would just be the two of us getting inspired and not even recording it. But now this podcast has the potential of 
impacting and changing at least like five lives if they listen to it but with the, with the reach that you have probably a lot more people and I, I i used to run two podcasts as well and it's just amazing i run a newsletter on the side as well the kind of people i'm sure you're familiar with this and kevin i should really give you the credit of you're the kind of person that i, I learn from on a daily basis and you're just like really good at playing the long game and just Thank doing you. an amazing job of like all, all this teaching but when it comes to anything in life but talking about like marketing advice advisory and um, fractional cmo stuff i think mindset plays a huge role in, in all of that so i think i i applied this this like philosophy mindset principles to it but i think just like watching you in action as well has sort of impacted me massively over the last year or so so i wanted to sort of give you that kudos as well uh, but you. yeah going back going back to um forgot what i was talking about well, we're talking about teaching to, yeah teaching in general yeah, teaching, I think so, yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. so i think that, yeah it's, it's definitely something i want to do more of and just being able to like expand my reach and um, get get to more people so like of the things i've done the newsletter the podcast it's, it's just really inspiring for me what really makes me happy at my core is like that stranger reaching out to me and say like i don't know you but this thing today reading this changed my life and that yeah. that's just that that like that to me is the purpose purpose of life and you're turning this into like a philosophy podcast now but that i'm a philosophy major <laughs> so that's that's relevant <laughs> i'm not a chemist but i have a philosophy major um but even, like even taking that note a little further right what i love about what you're working on what you're doing right now is that you have what i call the universal value proposition you have a through line through everything you're doing which actually allows you to put a lot of weight into it and your through line is I help founders get traction with their ideas and grow them into real profitable businesses. And maybe your language changes or you can put that on your website. I really should <laughs> use that. <laughs> yeah, but the cool thing about that is like, it resonates deeply with you as, the, as a founder and an entrepreneur at heart, and then a marketer kind of as a secondary trait to that, and an analytical thinker, because you're an engineer, and, uh, and then all of your education stuff that folds into it. And so you have these, as long as your through line is, is, is pointed in that direction, and you're like, okay, yeah, my job takes up, you know, the bulk of my hours, mm -hmm. right, and my energy. Uh, but on the left and right of that, or up and down, and I, on either side, I can advise part-time, the right fit clients who maybe can do email or asynchronous with the occasional call on an evening or a weekend or a lunch break, depending on what your, your schedule is like. And or I could create a little product, and or I could have my newsletter, and or I could have a little book or something of that nature. Uh, so you're because you're you're actually aligned right even if you have a job and you're doing some kind of an entrepreneurial you know side project stuff um so it, it must totally. feel good to feel that aligned it's consistent coherent well i i didn't really i didn't really feel that confident and good about it until you sort of called this out so i appreciate you i, I mean your your stamp of approval means a lot because you you deal with this stuff all the time i still feel like i can refine things a little bit more but i think this north star you call you use north star i think just like it being wanting to help people who are building wanting to build with people who are building and changing the world and doing doing something impactful and positive and yet like sort of applying that to anything i do in terms of my career at least and sort of talking about those like criteria for from the next thing like, a good segue into that is something that i always like talk about is like people product and then sort of personal growth are the three things for me and then just hearing here being a passage and like being exposed and interviewing with people throughout the interview process and just like seeing the excitement for what they're building and the, the type of individuals that they are, that that is like sort of a motivator for me. And they are the type of individuals that I want to build with. Um, yeah. So that is, that is like something that I'm excited to, to wake up to every day and um, feel like you're truly like making a mark on the world, especially with like 
again, Passage being such a revolutionary idea and changing people's, not just people's individuals' lives, but their families' lives and their generations to come, uh, to, to come. It's, it's just so, so fulfilling. But also like scale, I think matters, but also the going context. back to what I was saying about, yeah, exactly. Just making like, even if you inspire one person, that's what I'm trying to work on. That, yeah. that, that, that can have its ripple effects. Well, that's the beauty of our, of what we do as well, whether you're advising or, or if your mission is to help founders take ideas to profitable entities, whatever, is that you get that personal satisfaction, that reward, Totally, totally. right? Whether I'm helping, like when I help individuals and do mentoring, like I feel good knowing that I've helped someone find clarity and, and their, their business grows and they make more money and they, they support their family and their mission. And, uh, when I help entrepreneurs grow and scale, I, like it's very personal. There's no, it's. And I work with mostly small businesses who are yeah. you know, one to $10 million uh, or maybe a little more sometimes. And it's very personally rewarding. And teaching to me is the tip of that. So like teaching <clears throat> is the highest leverage form of thing you can do in a digital world and mentoring maybe a little less leverage, but still very rewarding and advising same thing. And um, so it's, it's important to find that context of what you're doing and that broader meaning, I think. Right. So you can, and like, you and I are both immigrants, right, to Canada and um, big immigrant population here and and just tapping into like that and helping, you know, other immigrants and future generations. And this is setting them up and really connecting them with the economy, which is what the country needs most rather than just more people. They need more connected people doing their best work and not being exactly left out. Um, so it's great that you have some of these things and you've got your through line and you've got your personal mission going with that. So in terms of your side stuff now going forward, so you have a job. Uh, it sounds like you have some flexibility to do stuff around the hours of your job. Uh, your plan is to take on select advising clients still. Obviously, you wouldn't do interim leadership roles because that would probably be too demanding. But uh, is that your plan now? Is uh, advising like what else is your is in your cards while you have this job? Um, or what surrounds that? Yeah, so uh, I joined Passage uh, probably exactly around two months ago, and it's been it's been busy. So excited! I don't know again when this podcast is going to go live, but um, it, it, we are we are launching officially launching passage soon so do check out passage.com so it's been busy it's been exciting lots of hours and um i have uh i haven't actually given it much thought but I, what i'm like my again going back to everything we've talked about so far is again with my personal north star being wanting to help more businesses startups founders i want to i want to sort of look at this advisory i'd say so like looking at helping people and um whatever capacity that I'm able to and doesn't sort of downgrade my performance um, at, at Passage. Looking at helping helping more people with an advisory sort of on, on the side, advisory capacity. And uh, yeah, I think the, some of the engagements that I had was sort of having hourly, hourly calls um, every week and sort of being available on, on Slack for quick questions, like really making it clear that what's the... Uh, expected sort of response time is within like 12 to 12 24 hours but again just making sure that i'm able to help out people that i'm excited about i'm excited to see grow uh, but it's I, I look at it as the same as sort of my, my newsletter or I, my podcast I'm, i, I want to go back to doing it as whenever i do a podcast like this i'm just i love it it's yeah. so so much good stuff comes out of it and again sharing it with the world is so so encouraging and inspiring but I look at it the same way, uh, this sort of advisory thing, even if you're in a full-time role. And I listened to your podcast with Kevin Lee, um, one of uh, the amazing marketers that I know. 
and that conversation was super inspiring to you. You asked me, you actually shared that podcast with me and advised me to uh, take a listen. And I think it's something that I think would actually boost my my day-to-day full-time uh, engagement and role as well. If I'm exposed to more businesses at a, at a similar stage and helping them with auditing their website or their product marketing or their content strategy, content road mapping, I think that could translate itself into uh, some of the things that I'm doing for Passage as well. So, and if I'm, in, as, as a hiring manager, I would always look look at it as a positive thing if somebody is doing something on the side of their job it just makes them a lot more focused especially if that's something that's relevant within the industry or the sector uh, or the function that they're working in yeah we live in a very performance like you mentioned in a small organization you can tell if someone's pulling their weight and contributing or not and it's really about outcomes and performance although you want to be obviously cautious about work hours and everything else but it sounds like you're putting in more hours than the typical nine to five which is very uh typical of a of a startup culture and um you know so finding ways to be flexible without without taking away your productivity and your energy from your main thing mm-hmm. and that's about leverage right and teaching can be a way of doing that where it's like maybe you show up once a month you do a little training on saturday exactly. morning or whatever um but uh, there's many ways you can approach that at the right levels and advising is a very high leverage you know high effective hourly rate thing especially when you have unique skills and you have templates or people that can help execute and you can say go away fill out this workbook send it to me and i'll give you some feedback on it because that'll show me where your head is at um, like things like that tools can really help create additional leverage and your relationships for people to help implement your ideas and you know the various other ingredients training for example go watch my video on this thing that i've that i've taught like these are things that can really make advising very low uh, labor and that's one of the reasons i'm able to have it lower for the mindshare members is because I've got a DM, Slack DM access thing, uh, mm-hmm. but it complements the live group calls and it complements the training. And uh, that makes it very low labor intensity for me. I can be like, show me your revenue sheet, show me this, do this. Yep. And, you know, so those are the tools that you can use to make your life less labor intensive as you as you have a full-time gig and systemize some of that process as much as you can. I love that. I'm, I'm trying to do more of that and get better at that. And I think... I've noticed, so through the two consulting engagements that I had, and this is more the, to contextualize it and sort of tell people what the engagement looked like. Yeah. I think it was more in terms of acting as a co-pilot to the CEO or their, yeah. and or their marketing director, marketing manager. Mm-hmm. And it's the same way. Like I've had situations where I've worked with a career coach or just a personal personal coach that they might not even know much about you. So they haven't done a ton of discoveries so like a therapist does, for example, but they ask you questions that guides you in the right direction. And within like being on the other side of the table in those situations, working with somebody, a less experienced marketing person and just seeing how much value you can provide in a 30 minute call and how you're able to steer them in the right direction without having to do anything. Totally. So I think you're, you're a big advocate of like, you can bring a lot to the table through just an advisory model with having to do fractional or um, having to be fully hands-on. And I, I'd love to maybe touch on it briefly now or uh, separately uh, if you, if there's something you can share in the links. But I think I think there is a lot that can be, uh, businesses are listening as well. I totally encourage them to bring on an advisor in the areas that they think they need more help with or they're unsure if they're uh, walking the right path. I mean, it's the biggest hack you can have is tapping into your decade plus of experience and all the people you've helped with and all the trial and error that you've gone into. Like some of the, some of the engagement I have, going back to mindset, um, some of the most effective work I've done has been just a tip, just like, it's almost like 
like gently tipping something in a new direction very slightly and or pointing attention to one or two things or switching something out and it looks like a almost like sleight of hand and the next thing yeah. you know they're filling their 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 spaces or their business and like and and what the mindset is is that it's not about deliverables people don't want deliverables they want results and it can be very weird and disconcerting for you and the client when you go oh look and you're just like the light bulb's not working but you like you just have to tighten it like six degrees mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, and then they go wait we just paid you 10 grand for that and you're like yeah but like notice how the, the room is really bright now and uh and so it can be Love very that. disconcerting for you and them when you can come to a result which happens the more you've seen your pattern match the more you work with the same kinds of people uh, but or just asking the right questions for. you know like not yeah. anybody does that just asking the right discovery questions and really diagnosing it in the right way yeah i think that's a really key under underscoring as well uh it's about that initial you know diagnosing before subscribing just like the win without pitching manifesto i don't know if you've read that by uh, blair ends great book it's been around for over a decade it's called the win without pitching manifesto i'll put it in the show notes uh by Love blair it. ends and he, he one of the one of the mantras he has is we will diagnose before we prescribe and it's such an important thing and if you're not sure what the problem is, sometimes just doing a little diagnosis engagement to figure it out uh, can be a really helpful way to kind of kick off an engagement on the right foot, solving the right problem. Totally. Yeah. So last thing I want to touch on with you, and then we'll wrap this up. You're, you're very kind of, uh, you're, you're into productivity, uh, systems, habits. Tell me just like, what is your personal operating system, if you will, that allows you to be that allows you to, to, to work with startups because Jesus, like having, I have two young kids. So I, so I imagine working with early stage startups is the exact same thing, but like in a different <laughs> capacity, uh, how do you maintain your energy? How do you maintain your productivity and your output? What are your core kind of pillars? Uh, yeah, I can do an apple to apple comparison in terms of if it's the exact same thing, but <laughs> it is, it is challenging, but also rewarding at the same time working at startups. Yeah. So productivity, I think we, can, we should do a whole different episodes and like systems and uh, operating operating uh, sort of methods. Um, I love this stuff. And I think I've always been like this, but I read a lot. And mm -hmm. one thing I realized, say like 10, 15 years ago, I've been reading from an early age, but every time I was holding a book, physical book or later on Kindle, yeah. it just really bugged me that I was digesting this information and statistically you only retain 2% of the of the information that you're you're reading. And me reading a lot of nonfictions just made me feel really bad about that. Is that I uh, I want to be I want to be retaining more of this information. So like highlighting, going back to the notes is a big thing for me. And I use this app, the shameless plug, uh, an app I, I love using called Readwise that kind of collects oh, yeah. your highlights and sort of resurfaces them back to you. Amazing team building a bootstrap company. They're 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 great. So and as part of that, I've sort of been keeping building on. I think that this whole like notion of and I learned this from Tiago Forte's um, second brain course is like the concept of code. So capturing, organizing, distilling, expressing. So like this mm -hmm. whole like create creative model. So I'm, I'm very good at capturing and organizing. I, I haven't been amazing at uh, sort of distilling and expressing my 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 personal knowledge management, but uh, personal knowledge base. Sorry, mm -hmm. but I think. Uh, it gives me a lot of joy to be able to go back to journal entries from like 15 years ago or notes from a bunch of calls that I've had and be able to like take action on them and turn them into something useful for, for, uh, for the future. So I, I use, I use a lot of, like we can probably like have a diff different conversation or several conversations about like tooling. But I think one of the things I've realized that has enabled me and really helped me 
sort of uh, boost my uh, engagement with founders is being being super organized. And like mm. one of the founders that I worked with recently really called this out. Um, actually, like maybe two of the three that I recently worked with. And it's like a very consistent theme. It's just, and I think it's like speeds me up a lot in being able to deliver and do what I'm good at building the systems. I also like being mindful of not over optimizing those systems and adding too many yeah. tools to the to the to the stack and trying to also keeping it minimal but like what's a minimal viable set of tools that you need on mm. top of your google calendar and your email to enable you to operate at a higher efficiency so if you are at 80 percent right now can you get to like 85 percent adding those tools to your stack and then yeah. like what can you do to your sleep to make it 90 percent etc etc so yeah i think I, I think it's important but also what i've realized is that there, there could be a point in time one of the podcast that I did uh, with my co-host, we did, we actually did a full session on this. You can actually get into the rabbit hole of what is this next tool that I should be exploring for my right. note taking. And there's this yeah, like interesting build, build. Yeah, but exactly. Shiny, shiny object syndrome. Uh, there's this bell uh, uh, shaped curve uh, that we can probably link <laughs> it in the show notes where it shows like Apple notes on the Apple left hand notes. side. Yeah, yeah, yeah and Apple notes on the right hand side for people who are like great note takers, they use Apple notes and those who have no idea they use Apple notes. <laughs> and in the middle, there are all these people exploring this like Obsidian, 200 yeah, 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 yeah. note taking tools. So I think I'm now on sort of the right hand side of the spectrum where I'm like going back to Apple notes <laughs> and maybe having Notion. One thing I've realized like a personal tip, I'm going to wrap it up is that probably there's no perfect tool and maybe you should like create your own ideal stack. So I'm right yeah. now note taking in three different tools, Notion, Reflect, Apple Notes, and mm -hmm. occasionally, not occasionally, very actively, I use day one for my journaling. So, cool. and I'm using what I'm using consistently across those is like a tagging system and a classification system. So if I need something to do with marketing advisory or like career principles, I can always find it across four different places. So there's no perfect tool um, and I don't think anybody can build it. So it depends on the context and situation. Yeah, totally. Well, I mean, if you have that propensity for liking to gather and organize and synthesize information, first of all, that makes you a better educator and a better advisor and makes, you know, that goes like to my, my Trello board as an example, or having some kind of a playbook. Love that. Uh, I call, I'm calling it idea management at this point where it's like store a place to store all of your best ideas into some kind of cohesive framework. And I sell access to this with membership, but also advisor operating system <clears throat> that's available on my website. Um, but like having some way to like, okay, you've come up with a good idea, a good method, good process. How do you put that into some kind of an ecosystem with the rest of your ideas and without over optimizing without over, you know, cause it's going to be different for every person, but at least memorialize it in a column or in it, whatever. Like I use Trello to store these and, um, it can really, really help to like make your next engagement. It feels like you're kind of unrolling a tool belt, you know, like you kind of come out and get the leather satchel or whatever and roll it out and you've got all your different tools and you're ready yeah. for operation. <clears throat> so that's kind of how I feel with it. But and do you exercise is that part of your routine as well? Or uh, how's that going so far? Yeah, exercise. I, I, I talk about sleep a couple of times and just like nutrition, sleep hygiene, exercising has been a consistent part of my routine for the, like I say, like I, I've done it for the last sort of 15 years, but very seriously since like 2016, around the time actually I moved to moved to Canada. And yeah, it's just something that's a non-negotiable. And that together with these tools, I think that is also an enabler to, to the kind of work that I do. It's just like how much more your brain can process, you know, throughout the day. And those things oh are goodness. like sm small adjustments, but sometimes taking a specific supplement or making sure you like you work out in the morning or if I haven't worked out for a while, I realize the difference. The Delta is very obvious. So I think it's, it's it takes up some time. I did this analysis. I'm, I'm a geek when it comes to these things. So like 
not this year, last year, I did the poll analysis of how much time I end up working out. And it was about 10% of my entire waking hours, which wow. is not that much. So every time I'm in the gym, I'm like, if I go four or five times a week, I'm like, yeah. I'm actually spending a lot of time in the gym. This is like, this is a huge time suck. But then when you look at it, it's like, I mean, 10% could be a lot or could be not that, that not, not that much. But then I, I, I was expecting it to be a lot more than that. But if you, if someone told you, if you invest 10% of your time now and you're going to be operating, like the whole thing about health and fitness is that while you're here now, it can actually help you live a better life. And yeah. obviously you can get injured there are risks and uh, there are other things that can happen outside of um, like the predictable stuff that can cause your um, health, uh, that can harm your health. But I think 10% isn't that much of a huge investment and um, there's a lot of benefits that comes with it. So it's even been, 20 it's minutes a day, even, even like taking something like, you know, showing up for 20 minutes a day, I mean like no excuses, I'm going to work out for 20 minutes. I find if I even do a 20 minute Peloton ride or an exercise yeah. or whatever, like I am like a way different human for the entire day. Or if I get You're doing seven at 45 hours, now, right? yeah, I'm doing it 45 twice a week. And that's uh, definitely, it, it actually, I feel really great today. Like I did one this morning and then I'll feel nice. good again tomorrow with, with or without an exercise, but I'll try to do another at least 20 minutes to kind of get the blood flowing. But it went, it. like the less time you have to exercise, the more you actually need it. It's just like meditation. And, uh, and yeah, sleep is another thing. Although when you have little kids that gets, even the best intentions can sometimes get derailed with that one. But, um, but it's so important to try your best to give yourself good night's sleep and get a little bit of exercise. I know I'm like, I'm not a, I'm not an exercise guru by any stretch, but it helps so much to give you more clarity because you're ultimately selling your brain. Right. And if that's not firing and clean and feeling energized and with serotonin and you know, like, then you're not going to make as much money. Like you just look at it that way. You put 10% of the time into your gym. I guarantee you'll make 10, 20, 30% more money and you'll be healthier and happier along the way. I just, I believe it. You're right. You're totally right. And something I want to do more of is actually just mental health. Just meditating a lot more. I, I keep falling off the track. So uh, I, it's something I'm trying to actively, I, I use this app called Waking Up with, by Sam Harris. So yep. just as a, as a recommendation, if somebody is using it. And yeah, I think that is also like, you could argue that that's even more important than physical health, mental. So um, something, a resolution for me. I don't really set resolutions, but something for me to get better, get better at this year. Awesome. I love that. Well, two last questions. One, uh, what book, if, if anything, comes to mind and doesn't have to be definitive, that has made an impact on you, a dramatic or significant impact on you, personally or professionally, that, um, that you feel like has been in some way like a little minor turning point or something you come, come back to often? Yeah, one that is obviously so fundamental. A lot of people have heard of it. So uh, I probably just mentioned two. So one is called Meditations by mm, Marcus Aurelius, the uh, Roman emperor who was living, uh, being an emperor, but living so through a lot of suffering throughout his time. And this this book is his journal entries that was never meant to be published and translated to, um, to our uh, generation and us being able to read it. So with that in mind, it's, it's just such an amazing set of entries. I remind myself of a lot of it every day. It's based on this whole, I guess the whole like Stoics and Stoicism concept or, or way of living has been built uh, by, from that book. And everyone from Robert Greene, Ryan Holiday, who are promoting that, Tim Ferriss, have sort of been taking a lot of inspiration from that book. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the other one that I re read recently, so which is like probably like less fundamental, it's a nonfiction called 4,000 Weeks, which talks a lot about how finite our time is. 4,000 Weeks is an average number of uh, weeks that a living person would leave uh, by, the, by the time they die and live this uh, planet. So, and that's been an inspiring read as well. So highly recommend that one as well. 
Awesome. Thank you. And last question, um, where can people go to learn more about you, follow along, uh, email list, that kind of thing? Yeah, probably like the best place and somewhere I need to get more active at is, is, is um, Twitter. So uh, you can like I can provide the links and you can put it in the show notes. Uh, it's R-E-Z-S-A-E-E-D-I, my handle. I definitely want to just publicly share more about my learnings, like going back to the teaching. So going to do a lot more on that. And then I infrequently i used to be very consistent with it on a weekly basis publishing newsletter called out of curiosity it's where i share a curated links of what i find useful so you can get access to that within my uh, twitter bio as well great and, that's and then obviously so. yeah reza.so is my is my is my website so check that out all the links are there um and i tend to sort of put up my sort of book highlights and book notes there as well uh been meaning to write a lot more actively so look out for that too um and then obviously like i mentioned check out um passage it's going to be changing the world hopefully for the better very soon by 2030 our goal is to remove this financial access problem for immigration and study abroad for people so it's a big mission it's a big problem um as our founder martin calls it a disease that exists in the world that we need to fix and uh, and solve for forever especially today so um this is our goal. We have we have about six years to solve it and we're super excited. So check out our website and, and join our mission. That's great. And it's not going to be in Canada forever. You hope to broaden this to other countries? Yep. This is going to be a global global movement. We are starting with Canada. We think Canada needs a lot of help. Uh, a lot of people want to come to Canada for better opportunities and Canada can provide that. So it's a win-win for people and for um, the, the society at large. And we're going to expand this to not just educational opportunities, but career opportunities worldwide as well. That's wonderful. Well, good luck with you to you on that mission and with this business and continuing to follow your through line of helping founders and by extension, many other people, right? The companies we help impact many others. And uh, so continue that through line and, and uh, we wish you well on your journey and, and uh, I look forward to staying in touch with you and learning all about the new projects and, and whatnot that you're working on. So thank you so much for, for being such an open book, for sharing your journey and, and uh, t- telling us about how you made the, the leaps in and out of advising as a soon to be part-time advisor, but uh, full-time consultant and former employee and making that leap. So really appreciate you jumping on with us today, Reza. Thanks, Kevin. This has been a lot of fun. I appreciate you asking really good questions and I'm excited to continuing being a part of Mindshare community and giving back as much as I can. And that's it for the interview. Thank you so much for listening all the way to the end. If you want to get more content resources like this, head on over to kevin.me and you'll find a crash course on how to sell your expertise as a marketer, how to go from doing to advising to teaching your expertise and and, uh, how do you create more leverage and profit in the process. So that's all over there. I've got a mini crash course right on the homepage. You can get it. And yeah, uh, if you're interested in the community, we've got a lot going on in the community. We're starting to do uh, a lot more member trainings as well. We've got some AI training, some personal branding training, some copywriting trainings and all kinds of other stuff from the members of Mindshare as well, which is really neat. So if you're interested in any of that, definitely think about the community. It's a great place to learn and get feedback from your peers, network, get advice, and ultimately help you create a more leveraged and profitable marketing practice. That's it. I will see you in the next episode. Thanks again, as always. And stay tuned because I'll be doing probably more solo podcast episodes just because I can produce them a lot faster. These days, I'm quite busy on the consulting side and uh, I share a lot of private podcast kind of rough audio forms for members, but I'd love to do a few more of these 
solo episodes to kind of teach and share some of the ideas so that you have an idea of what, what we're actually doing inside the membership. So if you're curious about the membership, you can head over to howtoselladvice.com and hit the membership tab and you'll see what that's all about. Tons of training on business model and marketing. It's basically the business side of marketing consulting. So you can head on over there and check that out. Doors open and close. So if you're interested and you see the doors open, which they currently are now, make sure you're signed on. Otherwise, we'll see you next time the doors open. That's all for now, my friends. Bye.